All right, guys, today we are talking on fundamental truth, the new heavens and the new earth. So today we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit like a ping pong player, a little bit like we're in a pinball machine, but just stick with me. We've got a handful of things we want to cover. Um, first thing I want to cover, though, is just kind of a housekeeping item. So Delaney and I recently have been going through uh, parent-teacher conferences, okay? Now, whether you've gone with a kid or you went through one yourself, there's a whole lot of different experiences, and I promise you, Delaney and I even have our own stories with our kids. We've got ones that are like, oh, this is so great. Your kids are just doing so awesome. They're great leaders and examples, and I'm not going to name names, but I have another kid where they're like, so... Your child took one of the teacher's cell phones, you know? Anyway, we all have these different experiences, but I want to say to you guys as a church, um, I want to say a thank you. Last time I got the privilege to speak, you guys were so incredibly encouraging. You guys had such uplifting words, and you know, Delaney and I were talking about it, and it's like, what a gift that our church is. What a gift of our church to be encouraging to one another. And I, I'm going to, uh, my joke here, if you guys can get the slides going, um, I, I'm going to joke. I'm kind of like Oprah. You guys all get A's at this conference for your encouragement. It's like you get an A and you get an A. Hey, there we go. There we go. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So you guys are awesome. I'd say, here, turn to your neighbor, tell them you're doing great, give them a high five. I would encourage you to, a little better high five, maybe. <laughs> okay, so, so today, like I said, we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth, and I was really excited. I pulled up, the Assemblies of God actually has all these official writings, okay? Um, and, and there's a lot of words up here. This is the writings for one true God, okay? There's pages of information. So then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to the new heavens and new earth. This is going to be so easy. It's going to have it all for me. Uh, next slide. We get one sentence, okay? Now listen, here's the great thing. It's an awesome sentence. We, according to his promise... Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Okay? I looked at that and I said, God, that is awesome, but I guess it's you and me today. We're going to work through this thing and you're going to give us something to share. Okay, so um, I want to say, bear with me a couple times. Delaney brought up school in Sunday school. And, you know, we were just talking about parent teacher conferences. So. Uh, sorry, we have a little bit of science class to start this all out, okay? We're going somewhere, I promise, but we're going to start out with a topic called eschatology, okay? Big fancy word. Show of hands, anyone know what eschatology means? I knew Jeff would have his hand raised. I knew my dad would have his hand raised. So we could have a really long explanation, but I, I'm just going to simplify it super easy. Eschatology is the end. It's the end, okay? Eschatology comes from the Greek word eschaton, which means last or final. Eschatology is the doctrine of the last things 
including the return of Christ, the last judgment, heaven, hell, and the new heavens and new earth. The slide that's up here, I want to talk about for a minute. So uh, physics and cosmologists, okay, very funny term, cosmologist. It's not for makeup. Cosmologist is people who are studying the, um, well, cosmological uh, physicists. Studying the cosmos, yes, the stars, um, planets, how everything go. Now, if you were going to take, a, like you're going to be a physics major, you know, you actually would be required or have the option to take a cosmological eschatology class, which I love that, you know, the, we have this science world that, you know, it's got a lot of push against us with our faith. Uh, but they decided to name their class the same, the same exact term that we use. And really, it's kind of been the last half century that physicists have kind of like got in on this eschatology as a real strong subject. And I'm going to just give you a talk about a couple of these. Now, I, I see you've read these. Big freeze, heat death, big crunch, big rip. This is not bad band names. This is not bad rapper names. This is actual scientific names for ideas for the end of the universe. Okay? Now remember, we're talking about new heavens and new earth. We're just starting in a little bit with the end before we get to the new. So this heat death is where the universe is, continues to expand and as it does, it eventually cools down. There's no more energy, and it reaches a state of maximum entropy. And this is actually probably the most widely accepted, I guess, as I've read in the physics community. Uh, the next idea is the big freeze. Similar to the heat death, the universe expands and temperature drop to absolute zero, making everything inhabitable, inhospitable or non-habitable for life. The big crunch, pretty easy. Everything just crunches. Um, and the big rip, that sounds like a country singer. Anyway, that model posts that um, the universe is going to start expanding so fast that all of the atoms and mole molecules are just going to rip apart. Everything's just going to fall apart. Nothing can sustain life. Now, uh, a, a couple interesting things about this. Um, physicists, having kind of come to this acceptance that there is an end to our universe, they, they woke up one day and they're like, man, wait, if there's an ending, if we know there's an ending, then if we went a trillion times, a trillion times, a trillion times, a trillion times, a trillion, if we just kept going back, we would have to have had a beginning. If we hadn't, had a beginning, everything would have burned out or crunched or ripped or froze trillions of years ago. So they're kind of stumped a little bit on that one, the fact that they have to say, okay, there is a beginning. There is a beginning. And we know that from that beginning, we have this universe that we're in, and eventually it's going to be destroyed. Now, mind you, this is like the last mainly like 50 years this has been a popular idea. I just kind of want to go knock on their committee door and say, hey, guys, can I read you something that's 2,000 years ago, that was written 2,000 years ago that, you know, us crazy Christians in the world, we, uh, we might actually have a little bit of uh, 
foresight, you know, a little insight for you. Let's pull up 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done it done in it will be laid bare. What's amazing in this verses, these verses that I read, leading up to this, the question is, we're talking about, okay, we've all been saying that Jesus is coming back, right? And we look at our world today, and we know, like, Jesus is coming soon. This world is so broken. It's so hurting. Like, we see these, these birthing pains of the return of Christ. And people will scoff and say, well, where is he at? Why isn't he here yet? You say everything's so bad. Why isn't he here? But it's right there. Do not forget, dear friends, a day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day with him. But he's not slow in keeping his promise of returning. He's going slow as a gift to us. He's going slow so that that we can be brought into restoration back to him before he comes. It's it seems frustrating at times, you know, you know, feeling like, oh, you know, like we've been proclaiming his coming and the church has been doing that. But thank you, Lord, for waiting. Thank you, Lord, for waiting for one more. Thank you, God. Okay. End of destruction. Chapter one, closed here. I keep, I keep getting a little bit of ringing, but... Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about creation. Okay, um, as I said, a little bit kind of jumping here and there in topics on this. But I want to kind of set the stage for this discussion of the new heavens and the new earth. And when we talk about creation, I don't want to think about God um, just in what he's created. I mean, we've got beautiful creation all around, okay? I mean, we've all seen something that we just can think of in our minds or even imagine, you know, that, that God has created that is just full of a, of a beauty that's hard to define. But I want to think about it, creation, in the terms of God as our masterful creator. I think I have a, a completely blank slide here. Okay, that's fine, right there. So um, I still have a couple more science things. I promise there will be an end. I promise. So in 1995, the... Um, NASA made the Hubble telescope, okay? Most of you have probably seen some cool pictures from it. Um, but they decided one of the first things they wanted to do is they wanted to take a spot in the sky where you've got all the stars, and they wanted to pick a spot that was pitch black, okay? So they said, you know what? Let's aim this telescope. We're going to let it sit there for like 100 hours, and it's just going to take in... Some, you know, it's going to take in slowly, 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 and we're going to see what happens. They honestly had some ideas, but they didn't really know. And the picture that we're going to show now just absolutely changed the way that the physicists, NASA, and everybody really understood and looked at 
the universe. See, when they took this picture in the dark, this dark spot where there was no stars, what came back was an entire picture full of galaxies. The darkest spot that they thought was full of emptiness, nothing, just nothing. And God's spun thousands of galaxies. If you held up literally like a pin, like the, the head of an actual like pin, the size of the sky that they took this picture of was the size of a pin held up at arms at arm's length, which is absolutely incredible, right? Uh, no, this is not a Lulu Giglio ripoff. This goes with the new heavens and new earth. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, awesome. If you don't, he's got a whole great series on space and God's creation in it. But God, as our masterful creator, has created things that are beautiful. He has created things that are just lovely. There are things that we treasure. But the thing that really stands out to me is that he is the creator of good. He is the creator of such good in our lives that he's given us opportunities for redemption, opportunities for just a bright future, for, for his kind of good. When we think about the new heavens and new earth, there is an important connection to make. Um, as we get to Revelation 21 and 22, which is the last chapters of the Bible, they really mirror back a lot to the creation story that God started. Genesis chapter 1-1, we all know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think about this with God as just God as our creator. I think it's even funny, we were talking uh, leading up to the message, and I was just, we were just laughing, you know, like even the family that Jesus was chosen to be a part of, his stepdad was a creator. He was a builder. He was a carpenter. He would make things. You know, Jesus's early life, he got to keep whittling and making and doing. That's, it's just fun. It's fun thinking about how God has never stopped creating and creating good. Now, I have like one more little science thing for you, okay? Um, but I do just want to hammer that point. I think that God enjoys creating good. I think he just finds enjoyment when he takes something in our lives and he turns it for good. When he takes a situation and he turns it for good. Even when he makes something beautiful that we get to see as good. I think that God is just giving us a touch of his goodness. It's giving a touch of his fingerprints and what he's making for our lives, for our present, for our future. And what God makes is good. Okay, we're laughing, scoffing a little bit. We got science class. But, but, I have a theory, and I think, I, I think I'm correct, that um, does anybody know the largest, uh, I would say, you know, time that people have had the Bible shared with them? The largest maybe, you could call it a sermon, or maybe even just sharing of the, the story of, of God. Well, in 1968, a guy by the name of Frank Borman was taking a little trip with his friends 
And while he was on his trip, they thought, you know, this is an important trip. We're going we're gonna to acknowledge God in what we're doing. You see, Frank Borman was a part of the crew of Apollo 8. Apollo 8 was the very first mission to go around, to actually go around the moon. And what you're going to hear, there's a video coming. <laughs> what you're going to hear, over a billion people got to experience this. All right, let's play it. declaring the goodness of God. The goodness of God as they're standing out there in their spaceship, floating around, seeing God's marvelous creation. I think about this picture, and it, it's really fascinating. The they scientific community estimates that there are two trillion galaxies out there. That's like almost the United States debt, right? Two trillion galaxies. <laughs> Each one of these galaxies has got somewhere between 100 billion, 2 billion, 200 billion stars in them. What's amazing to me is the, we, we think there's only been that God has created around 100 billion people to ever walk the face of the earth. So while God is out and he's making trillions of stars, he stops. After about two trillion stars, he stops and he takes the time to make each one of us. Like sometimes we sit back and we're like, God, do you see me? 
man, God sees you. He knows you. His fingerprints are all over your life. No matter where you're at, he created you. He knows you. And he knows the future that he's built for you as well. I just love it. Really, two trillion, two trillion stars for every human he makes. I mean, we are special. We are made by God. And he's made us good. Okay. Science class is over. Oprah's back. You all get A's. So, yeah. David, that's your second. All right. We're back up to the new heavens and the new earth. All right. So what are we talking about when we describe the new heavens and the new earth? We are talking about the doctrine that in the very end, God's grand final scene, that he is going to create new heavens and a new earth where he will dwell with his people for eternity. Man, what a hope and promise that we get to look forward to. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm excited just even thinking about God's goodness to come. I, we were, I was actually talking with Pastor Nathan. Talked to him a lot. He's my brother, like, every day. And we were talking about new heavens and new earth, and I asked if I could actually share on this. And I, I, I just want to share what kind of spurred it in my heart. Um, one night, God gave me a dream that was really the most realistic, vivid dream that he's ever given me in my life. So I was walking in a place that kind of felt like what I would guess Alaska looks like during the summer. And I was walking, and the, the sky was just crystal clear. And it was a cool night. And I looked up, and I, I saw no stars in the sky. And what I saw was similar to that picture that we saw before, that the sky was just exploding with all these beautiful colors. And that there were these, like, it looked like galaxies and things just in the sky, and I, and I was looking, and forgive me for being a total science nerd, but I was looking for Andromeda in the sky, which is like our nearest galaxy, and I was like, I just, I don't see it, and I don't understand, and I didn't see God in my dream, but he spoke to me, and he said, he said, behold, I make all things new, and then I woke up, and I have not shaken that dream for my entire life. And it's just a reminder. It's been an encouragement and a reminder that God is making the most beautiful future for us. Even more than I can just guess or imagine, he's got this beautiful future where he's going to dwell with us, where we will be with him for eternity. Isaiah 65. We're going to start with a prophecy of hope. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard 
in it no more. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The home of righteousness. One more. Let's do Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Man, what an awesome, awesome, awesome promise. We're not going to go into a lot of detail about who Jerusalem you know, is and all of these details and you might normally hear in uh, you know, a sermon about this, but we're going to focus on a couple parts, and I'm going to need a little bit of help, okay? So at that last line we read, behold, I am making all things new. So when I say God makes you guys are going to say all things new. Okay, we're going to practice. We're going to try. You ready? God makes all things new. Okay, let's try this again. God makes all things new. Hey, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. We sing in Graves into Gardens. We have this promise that God makes all things new, that he turns graves into gardens, that he turns crosses of torture into statues of victory. He turns tears into joy. He turns fear into peace. He turns defeat into triumph. He turns the broken into beautiful. I promise you, God can take whatever is in your life. He can break it down and he can rebuild it beautifully. He can rebuild it with his purpose, with his plan. God is the creator of good. That's what he wants for you. As I was preparing for this sermon, though, I was, I was challenged by the Lord. I was challenged thinking about, man, are there things in my life that I think are good that he wants to work on? Are there things that I've built that I think are pretty all right that Maybe God actually has a way of making a little bit better. Maybe God could take the things that I've built and make them new. I know the dark places of my life. I know the dark places and the, the broken places. 
that God can take and turn around. But God wants all of our lives. He wants us to praise him and seek him on the best days, as well as the worst days, as well as the hard days. He wants all of our lives. And it made me think about the temple. Okay? Where are places that God has done this in his story with his people? Can you imagine being a, uh, you know, an Israelite, a Jew who believes that you know, God ordained the temple to be built and like it's God's house? Who could touch that? That's a good thing. We have God's temple. That was a good thing. We could go and have a place where we could seek God out. It's the crown achievement the nation often felt. God would protect it. He would take care of it. It's his temple. Then Jesus showed up, right? Let's try this again. God makes all things new. See, Jesus said, that temple that you have as the pinnacle, as the crown, I'm going to tear it down. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. The people had no fathoming idea or imagination that could have predicted that God would tear down the temple and build something better, build something new that they couldn't even see. And we know Christ, he redid it all. He turned it all upside down. No longer did we just have to go and prepare ourselves to go into the temple, but he brought his spirit to us, making us the temple that he would dwell with us and that he would dwell inside of us. There's more. There are more encounters of God stepping in taking something that we may think is good and showing us that there's a way that he can remake even the good parts new. Like I said, we know he can take the broken, he can take the dirty, he can take the hurting and make new. But there comes a point where we say, God, all of it, all of it is yours. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 21. And as he was setting out on his journey... A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. First, I just got to pause here. I feel like God was even honoring him, you know, in saying, declaring God's goodness and declaring that Jesus was a man that was, that was really ordained and sent with God and would later reveal himself to be God himself in flesh. Anyway, whole nother deal with that. You know the commandments, Jesus says. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. The man turned to Jesus and he says, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go 
Sell all that you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Oftentimes when we look at this story, it's easy to focus in. This man had this spot, this dark spot in his heart that he loved his possession. He loved his position. He loved his status. He didn't want to let that go. But there's two other things I want to see here. Number one, God gave him the opportunity to turn his treasure into heavenly treasure. Take something important to him, something valuable to him, not even to get rid of it, but to make it new and better. And the other thing is this. Yes, we focus and we see what he was holding on to. But I think that Jesus saw this man, and when he said, teacher, I have kept your commandments since I was a little boy. I've listened to your teachings. I've, I mean, I've listened to the word spoken to me in the Jewish schools and in the, from the rabbis, and I, I've, I've kept your commands. Jesus looked upon him, and he loved him. That's what it says. That's what the scripture says. He says, I have kept these commandments from my youth, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. See, what I think we sometimes miss in this is that now Jesus looked at that man and he said, I want you and your love for me to come follow me. Jesus invites him to take his life and to set it aside and say, I'm going to let you be the creator of my future. I'm going to let you be the creator of the path that I walk. And for that man, it was too scary. It was too scary to let go. But Christ's desire was for him to follow him and be in communion with him. We think about the Garden of Eden, and it was, you know, communion with God. God wanted that restored in his life. And I think God saw beauty and potential in what he would do and who he could be. And God simply said, let it go. Turn your treasure to heavenly treasure. Follow me. Walk with me. In John chapter 3, verse 3, he puts it another way. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Man, I love how Jesus puts this here. We must be born again doesn't matter how broken or dark our past is up to that moment or how good we think we are and how great we think we've been just killing it at life. God wants us to start over with him as our perfect, masterful creator, our father, the father who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, who never lets us out of his hand. God wants to make new our future for good. 
his good. You know, I, I was thinking too, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we try to just do too much in this life for ourselves. Sometimes we try to build a heaven on earth, right? We try to build our own kingdom. Um, I, I would even say sometimes we're even chasing Eden. So what's interesting, I was listening to a pastor speak on this, and I really just, it really stuck in my heart. I believe in, in what he was saying, and I totally agree, was that, you know, our children, our children are impressionable. Like, we know that as if, if you've spent much time around kids, and you tell them something with truth and conviction in you, like, they're going to believe you. They're going to take what you say as real and as true. And what we don't always see is that our, the, the children are, they're having a foundation built that's kind of like humanity's experience of the Garden of Eden. Kids can have this experience where they have, you know, safe people and safe places, you know, that, that really kind of become like, like a Garden of Eden that they look back on as they grow up and you know, hopefully have some fondness and, and trust in that. But as we grow up, oftentimes, we start looking back, even, even when we're not even realizing it, we start looking back at the moments of good, you know, that we've felt in our life. And we, we end up chasing after that. We end up seeking things that we think are going to be good. We end up trying to piece this Eden together one piece at a time. You ever, um, you ever had a conversation with someone and they're like, man, if I only had a farm with you know, a perfect milk cow and just a really pretty view, I would be set. You know, If I could just get away from this city... Or if I could just get away from this stressful job I've got, you know, like everything would be right if I could just have a little bit of peace in my life with that. For me, it would be something like, God, if I could just get to a tropical, deserted island that only has a golden corral and my family, we'd just be perfectly set, right? But too often, our mindset is looking to the good things that we've experienced and encountered. I'm not talking about the good things that God has built. I'm just talking about life, the good things that we look at. And our minds and our hearts look backwards. And we find ourselves chasing Eden. We try and do it on our own. We try to build this heaven for ourselves. And the truth of it is, when we try and build a life a heaven, an Eden, without Christ, we're just chasing an empty Eden. And all that empty Eden really is, is a desert. The life has gone out of it. It's changed. But God wants us to look forward. He wants us to look forward to the new that he has for us today. He wants us to look forward to the new that he has for our families. That He, looks, he wants us to look forward to the new 
of what he can do. And sometimes, like the story of the temple, we don't even know. We don't even know what it's going to look like when we let God work in our lives. We don't know even how good it's going to be. Now, sometimes, yeah, it might be hard, okay? The disciples, the ending story of the disciples is not beach vacation retirement. It was a verdict of death. But they chose to be in communion with God. And I guarantee you, every single one of them would look back and say, I would do it a thousand times over for the Lord. I would do it a thousand times over because every step he was with me. This new path he created was better than I could have imagined. Yeah, it was hard. But man, God made it new. Remember, as we try to do this, it's not in our own power. Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. That's right, not with God. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. All things. I'm going to have Delaney come up here for a minute. She's awesome. I love her so much. I really think about this idea of God taking these places in our heart. You know, there are things that we hold on to that maybe are sinful that we need to let go and let God redo. Or maybe there are things that are good, but we're just proud of them. And we're too often relying on them. We're too often relying on what we've done. And we need to make room for God to work. Delaney wrote a poem when she was teenager she shared it with me she's going to read it for you right now and i think it's so fitting for this message of what we're talking about yeah when chris was sharing with me what he was doing his message on um i said i think i have a poem that i wrote a long time ago that goes with that so without further ado this poem is titled start over you stand there looking at what you created it's beautiful it's whole. It's as near perfect as it gets. Then you see it happening. It's coming, but you stand still. It starts out far away, then it comes closer, closer, shatter. You watched it happen. You look at it. You can't believe what's just been done. You finally bend down. You begin picking up the pieces. It was once beautiful. It was once whole. Now it's broken, ruined. You sit there trying hard to put the pieces together, together again. Some of those pieces are so wonderful, like a precious memory. They fill you with hope. They fill you with comfort. Then there's the other pieces. These remind you of not-so-precious memories, like a prick, like a sting. Yet even with the pricking and even with the stinging, you place them back into your creation. Decision after decision, time goes by, now faster and faster it seems to go. You race to finish. It's done. You stand up, you stand back, your eyes widen because something doesn't seem right. It's the main piece, 
the basis of all the other pieces, it's not in the right place. Tears burn your eyes. They now roll down your face, down and down and down. The tears roll down because you know it's time to start over. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Starting over with Christ is as good as it gets. There is nothing better. His way is better. His future for you is better. There are parts that we need to ask him, God, what do you want to do? What can I give to you? There's a key phrase that we've been, we've been talking about. It's going to be your turn again, all right? Remember, God makes... All things new. Come on, one more time. I really... God makes all things new. The key word is all. God is going to make all things new. He's already shown us the ending. It's beautiful. He's going to take this original creation story of the Garden of Eden... This, new, this original heaven and earth, he's going to make it new. He's going to be, he's going to fulfill what the garden wasn't. He's going to make it even better. He's going to dwell with us for all of eternity. No pain, no sorrow, no stress, no worry. It's going to be full restoration with God. Our failures won't remain. Our bad days aren't going to remain. Our regrets won't remain. Even the things that we think we've done so great, it's not even going to be what remains. What will remain is our masterful creator, his reunion with us to be together in this great, beautiful final scene. As we talked earlier, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. We see it in this world. We see the brokenness of the people of the world, of the nations of the world. But he's told us that he's, he's being patient so that those who are still lost have a chance to come back to him. He's doing that for us, for those we love, for those we don't know that we love yet. He's being patient. And he's showing us what we really get to look forward, look forward to what the final scene is. It's a new heaven, a new earth, the Garden of Eden being fully restored. The snake's head will have already been crushed. The tree of life will thrive with fruit. The water of life will flow from the very throne of God and of the Lamb. God will be with us, no tears, no pain, no death, and the final restoration of us and God together forever. Thank you, God, for making all things new. Thank you, God, for the future that you've promised us. And God, for at least showing us that the end, that you are victorious, and that in celebration, you bring good into our lives and to all those who've gone before us and all those who will come, that we are going to the same place that you shall make as you've gone to prepare a place for us in your home. God, we thank you. We thank you for that so much. 
we're going to close this out. I'm going to have Delaney come up, and we're going to do um, one more song. If she's not here, maybe Randy and Michelle, we can do it. But if you want to come forward, you know, as always, if you have not chosen to be born again into God's family, now is the time. If you are a Christian and you've been following the Lord and you want to challenge your heart and your life and say, God, what have I been doing too much of my own power that I need to give to you for you to make it new? Come, pray too. And, and for the rest of us too, if you're in that group that says, you know, God, I just cannot wait for your triumphant return. Just give God thanks that he's given us that promise that he has made all things new. I'm going to have Sean and Whitney come up. If anyone wants prayer, the altars will be open. We'll do this song. This will be the end. Um, and I just want to say, God, thank you for making all things new.